the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Pleased to welcome back as my next guest, a very good friend. Ambassador Robert O'Brien is the president's national security advisor. He and I, as I always tell people, used to be law partners. We're still good friends. You can account for the lie of the green, but we're both retired from Larson O'Brien now. Ambassador O'Brien, welcome back and congratulations. You are now the uh, the latest gold medalist of Kosovo. Not in the Olympics, mind you, but but you. I saw that picture on the web yesterday. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, and it was very generous of uh, the Kosovars to uh, uh, to award the president uh, the Medal of Freedom and to award Ambassador Grinnell and me the uh, the Presidential Medal of Merit. And uh, you're always a little humbled and honored by those sorts of things. But we were pleased to to be able to work hard to try and bring some normalization to the lives of the Kosovar people and the Serbian people. So it was it was quite an honor. Now, give us a quick update if you can. I know you can't disclose the contents, but how was the president during yesterday afternoon's national security briefing? Oh, the, the, the president's strong. Uh, he uh, had a had his whole team: uh, Secretary Esper, Secretary Pompeo, General Milley, the Vice President, uh, myself. We we spoke with him uh, uh, either from the Situation Room where uh, Pompeo and Milley and I were, or from the plane where uh, uh, Secretary Esper was returning from the uh, Emir of Kuwait's uh, uh, funeral. Uh, we were able to give him a brief. Uh, the vice president was up at his residence. Uh, we were able to give him a brief and uh, take him around the world on on uh, you know every issue that we're facing from a foreign policy and national security front. He was incredibly engaged. Uh, he had advice and uh, laid out what his policies were to his team. Now, I, I believe yesterday's ride in the limo was a signal to our adversaries around the world that he is, as you said to Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation yesterday, fine and in control and it, it seems to me that he is completely. But I want to go back to something you told Margaret Brennan yesterday. When she asked you how he was, you said you talked to him on Friday when you were in Geneva negotiating with the Russians. First of all, set the state. What were you doing in Geneva with the Russians? Well, look, we've got to, uh, you know, Russia is a major power. Uh, we have a number of, of issues that uh, are of concern to the, the two countries. Uh, one of the first is arms control. Uh, President Trump has made it very clear that he wants to see he, he, he believes nuclear weapons could be the uh, the most uh, uh, dangerous uh, uh, threat to the United States and to our, uh, the American people. And we would, we would like to see a good arms control deal, not not a fake arms control deal, but a real one that uh, has verification. And, and we've come up uh, to a logjam in our uh, meetings with the Russians on, on New Start. And so uh, we thought the president thought it would be helpful if I went and spoke with my counterpart to break the logjam. Uh, we're concerned about some American citizens who are being detained in, in Russia uh, that have been in the news, and we'd like to get those uh, citizens home. And he also wanted to deliver a strong message that election interference just would not be tolerated uh, if there was any sort of election day or, or, or change of the tallies or hacking of our Secretary of State and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I delivered a very strong message to the president. Uh, going, going to your question, about midway through the negotiations, the, the, the delegation took a bre- uh, break, and I had a chance to call the president. By that time, he had been diagnosed uh, 
uh, with COVID, uh, but had not yet gone to the hospital. I spoke with him, gave him an update where we were. I received his, I won't get into the details, but I received his input on on how we got to frame the issues uh, for the afternoon sessions, and uh, he was very engaged and uh, yeah, and, and certainly, uh, as I said to Margaret, firmly in control. Let me ask you for the benefit of the historical record. What time in Geneva did you call him, and, and do you know what time that was in the United States? I always get confused. And how long did the conversation last? Yeah, so uh, we, that, we, we broke uh, probably at about uh, noon uh, Geneva time. There's a, uh, a six-hour difference, so maybe it was uh, uh, 12.30, so probably 6.37 uh, uh, Eastern time. In the morning. And, uh, in the morning. And, and as you know, the president's an early riser, and uh, – he goes to bed late and gets up early in the morning. I know that from experience, uh, having had framed calls on both sides of the uh, of his, you know, whatever break he takes to sleep at night, which isn't very much. So, how long did you talk to him on Friday morning? Uh, we spent about ten to fifteen minutes, uh, enough time for me to give him an update on where we were with the talks and uh, and to get his input on on how we should uh, proceed in the afternoon session. All right. Now, would you take us into who General Patrushev is? I didn't recognize the name, but I gather he is the national security advisor to President Putin. So he, he's the secretary general of the NSC for Russia. Uh, he's a longtime uh, uh, close confidant of uh, President Putin. He's a, uh, a full four-star general. Uh, he came up through the intelligence services, and he had, he's basically my, my counterpart in, uh, in Russia. And... Uh, so this was the first time I'd met him in person. Uh, I, I've spoken with him on the phone before, and we've exchanged letters on various issues, but this was the first time to, to meet with him in person. Uh, because of his close relationship with Putin, we felt, felt that he was the right interlocutor to uh, see if we could <clears throat> excuse me, unst- you know, get the, uh, the, the logjam unstuck on, on arms control, but also uh, deliver a, you know, a very blunt message on election interference. Can you tell us what his response was to your warning not to interfere with our election, which probably would have been useful had uh, uh, Valerie Jarrett or uh, Susan Rice delivered it to the Russians about the same time in 2016? What was his response? Well, they, look, they, they understand that uh, President Trump uh, says what he means and means what he says. I mean, this is not a, a situation like the prior administration where we're going to come tell him we could be more flexible after the election or or, or that sort of thing. We, we delivered a tough message. We said there'd be severe consequences. The, uh, uh, the Russians, for their part, said they had no interest in interfering with our elections and, and asked us not to do the same when, when they have elections. And that was an easy answer for us because we don't interfere in other countries' elections. And I was able to say absolutely. So Now, you know, our uh, left-wing I, friends are going to say that's not enough. You have to do more. What more could, could be done? I mean, you didn't pound your shoe on the table, obviously, like Khrushchev at the U.N., but how do you communicate we really mean this as opposed to the last group? Well, look, the, 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 the Russians know that uh, that we're serious, and uh, and the president's shown whether it was in Syria or uh, Iran or, or, or the, the massive number of sanctions that we put on Russians, Russian oligarchs, and Russian government officials over the past four years. I mean, no one no one has done to to Russia save Ronald Reagan what uh, President Trump has. So they they understand that we're serious, and uh, look at the same time we'd. Uh, with the, there are areas of cooperation. Uh, we'd like to, you know, we, we issued a statement with uh, France and Russia on the uh, Azerbaijani-Armenian uh, conflict. Uh, there, there are areas where we could cooperate on counterterrorism. So uh, we, we'd like to have good relations with Russia, but, but they understand that there won't be good relations if there's any sort of election interference. And uh, look, it was, it was a tough message. It was blunt. Uh, they've said they're not going to interfere, but, you know, I take the, the, the approach, and, and President Trump takes the approach that Ronald Reagan did, and it's trust but verify. So, 
Uh, you know, we're 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 not going to lessen our vigilance uh, at all. We're going to be keeping a very very close eye on Russia, but but also on China and and Iran. And as Attorney General Barr said, uh, China is an order of magnitude uh, greater of a, of a threat to our elections than than Russia or, or, or Iran. So. We're going, to, we're going to be watching all of our foreign adversaries and making sure that we have free and fair elections here in the United States. It's interesting. You remind me of Secretary Pompeo's message at the Nixon Library in the summer, which was distrust but verify. Given that the president has now gotten, is apparently recovering quickly from a virus that originated in Wuhan, China, does that even, many world leaders have gotten this now. Does the world recognize that China, I mean, does the world have the same clarity about where this virus came from and the perfidy of the Chinese Communist Party as the United States does? Uh, There's no question about it, Hugh. I can't tell you how many world leaders we've spoken to, including world leaders that China thinks are are their best friends who have told us they don't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, Unfortunately, the Chinese have great economic leverage over a number of countries in Asia and Africa, so it's difficult for them to break free. But uh, look, the Russians understand the issue uh, that they've got a long border with China. They, that Russia has been very hit very hard by COVID. Uh, our British friends, Boris Johnson, as you know, uh, had COVID. Uh, Bolson, President Bolsonaro down in uh, in Brazil, who I'm going to go visit with soon, uh, uh, understands the issue. So, so world leaders understand where this came from. They understand that the Chinese were uh, at, at best reckless and uh, uh, and at worst witting in how this thing spread. Uh, so I think the whole world has gotten a taste of, uh, of China. And, and look, this isn't the first plague that's come from China since the, the you know the last 20 years. We've had SARS, we've had H1N1, uh, avian flu, swine flu. So uh, we, 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 China has a very serious public health problem, or, or, or you know, and, and they need to get it fixed immediately. They can't keep unleashing these plagues on the world. Now, Ambassador Bryan, on this show, on January 29th, you warned the world that it was a deadly virus, it was a dangerous virus. You said the president was being updated almost hourly in some cases. So you were early to the bell as your deputy, Matt Pottinger, was, and there was a debate, and you succeeded in persuading the president to bring down the curtain on inbound travel from China. Well done, and the president, good decision. My question is, now, you've had the virus as well. You've had the virus, but we are seeing... Uh, Sweden emerged a little bit. Is there a discussion ongoing about maybe Sweden did it better than the United States, given the untold cost of the lockdowns? You know, the, the issue with the virus is that this is such a nasty, resilient uh, in, infection. It, until we get the vaccines and until we get therapeutics, and I think uh, the president's quick response and, uh, and his uh, what appears to be a very rapid recovery uh, shows that some of the therapeutics are working, that we've learned how to deal with this virus, uh, although it's still deadly for, for certain groups, people with comorbidities and, and, and at, a, at a certain age. Uh, but, but until we get a vaccine, and until we get a therapeutic, uh, it's going to be very difficult for, for anyone to avoid uh, uh, over the long run getting the virus. Where are you gonna, people are going to get the virus or they're going to get vaccinated. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we're going to have to do. The whole point of shutting down travel and, and the early lockdowns was to, to avoid a, a situation where our hospitals were overrun. Uh, there weren't enough ventilators for patients. There weren't enough therapeutics for patients. And, and we've succeeded there. And the president succeeded there. Had he not done the travel ban and had he not done some of the, the early things, including the lockdown, the task force, the, uh, the operation warp speed to get us a vaccine by the end of the year. And, and remember, uh, uh, there were those on the other side of the aisle and, and even some Republicans who opposed all of those measures uh, had that not happened, uh, we'd be looking at, at, at a very different death toll, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions more, according to the, 
uh, Fauci and Burks early on. So I think the president deserves a tremendous com- uh, you know, commendation for the way he's handled this, uh, uh, this plague that, again, came from China. Uh, very last question, Mr. Ambassador. At any time in the last 72 hours, was the president anything other than completely in control of the government? Oh, no, not, not, not. He was absolutely in control. He was, as I said on uh, uh, Margaret Brennan's show, uh, he was firmly in control, uh, and, uh, and everyone knew that. Uh, and, you know, so, so our adversaries knew it, our friends knew it, uh, and he's got a, 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 a terrific national security team with, with Pompeo and uh, Milley and uh, the vice president and, and Asper and others, uh, and, and the U.S. government continued to function without any sort of hiccup. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, thank you for joining me. Uh, oh, uh, one bonus question. How many hours total did you spend with General Patrishev? Uh We were there for about eight hours uh, uh, during the day, and uh, it was a pretty quick trip. Uh, we did an overnight uh, outbound. Uh, we did the uh, the talks uh, with our, our uh, Russian counterparts. And then that evening, just, just given what was happening in Washington, I'd been pl- I'd planned to go to uh, Brussels, but we made sure the uh, we got appropriate crew rest for the the Air Force crew that uh, had flown us. And once they were uh, ready to go, we got wheels up about 9:30 that night out of Geneva and came back to DC. Well, thank you for briefing us on that. I caught that little detail in the in the Meet Face of the Nation comment, and I wanted to find out how it went. It sounds like it went well. Be well, Mr. Ambassador. Good luck uh, greeting the president back at the White House today. Thank you, Hugh. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The Bible tells us to pray for all those in authority, and we ought to be praying with real urgency with the knowledge that President Donald Trump has contracted the coronavirus and was taken by helicopter to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to receive treatment and care. Anytime the nation's chief executive needs medical treatment, it is big news. In this case, it is especially big news because the virus's path is not always clear and the nation is also facing a presidential election less than one month from now. Thankfully, the president is receiving the best medical care in the nation and he is reported to be responding well to treatment. Our nation invests so much power and responsibility in our president. Americans, whatever their politics, must join in common concern in prayer for the president's full recovery and for the first lady, Melania Trump, who has also tested positive for the virus. There is far more at stake here than politics. Pray. I'm Albert Moeller.